Hello and welcome back to the Trick Play Podcast on the Fresh Take Network. I'm Simon Chiskovsky here with Caleb Peterson and shortly we'll be breaking down all the sports related news, rumors, and drama that you will want to hear about. We've got a, a bit of an interesting week. We're going to actually be going back for just a minute to our more NFL-centric <laughs> centric ways as we're going to do a bit of an, I'm, I'm calling it the NFL mailbox if you will, of we're just going to run through all the, everything that kind of happened, or a recap might be a better way to put it, everything that happened, we'll talk about that. Then uh, we'll take a dip in the NHL, talk about how the new 2025 International Tourney is going to only feature four teams, which is kind of weird. We'll talk about that. And we're going to talk about uh, Patrick Kane potentially being near return. Caleb, are you ready to get into it? Absolutely. All right. So like we said in the intro, we're going to get back into more NFL stuff. Lots of news and headlines happening this week as teams are kind of starting to figure themselves out. Um, Got quite a few changes. Most notably, I think, is with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who after lots of outcry from fans, um, potentially even outcry from players, I don't know if there's not to go off on a tangent of the video going around of the Steelers celebrating a win um and matt canada celebrating a win and then chris boswell the kicker comes by and he says well you sure didn't have anything to do with it so like (laughs) the players are kind of getting getting frustrated with him and finally finally mike tomlin pulled the trigger matt canada is gone um so it'll be very interesting to see how this offense looks like um do you think this solves the steelers offensive problems or do you have more faith in what kenny pickett will look like now simon or is um whatever happens of this potentially going to be more of the same sorry my camera's picking pissing me off uh i don't as a general rule i don't normally like to think that one man can completely change make or break an offense or make or break a defense or what have you i don't necessarily think that all the pittsburgh's uh steelers problems fall on matt canada i do agree that most of the blame should go on him they do have a little bit more talent than i think a lot of people give them credit for in that offense but I, my hopes are not necessarily super high because I can't necessarily sit here in front of you and tell you that I have the most hope in Kenny Pickett. But I think that he has a lot of weapons. I think that if they put him in the right scheme, uh, they can make it work. It's just uh, the biggest issue that they keep running into is that offensive line. It's just terrible. And I think uh, they're going to have to keep on... I don't know. I think they're going to have to change up a lot for something to really change. And I mean, the top line of the article I have pulled up here for reference is literally Kenny Pickett saying that he doesn't expect any major changes in the schematics of the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. And I mean that, that should tell you enough on what you need to know. I think that, I mean, it's it's hard to like, like, like what you're like, what you were saying with Kenny Pickett saying that, I mean, you're not going to see anything right away because this kind of like in season coaching change the guy isn't going to be able to whoever they have coming in, isn't going to be able to rehaul the entire playbook um, in a week. That's just not possible. Even if you have like a bye week going into the next game, which the Steelers don't, um, it's still a very difficult task to revamp the entire offense. Hopefully you just see changes in decision-making, like less conservatism in the play calling, um, having Kenny Pickett throw a little bit further down the field, maybe, um, just better situational football better situational play calling um but i so maybe you won't see a lot of changes like in terms of the play design but in terms of how the game is called hopefully that can be a little bit better um 
in terms of whether Matt Canada is to be at fault, I think the Steelers' offense has been pretty bad for a long time. Um, even before Kenny Pickett with old man Ben Roethlisberger, it's they were winning games because of their defense. Um, yeah. Which begs the question, like, how much better could the Steelers team be if they had a competent offense? And like you said, they have some talent and more talent than they should have. The Steelers, um, just I mean, to give some stats that have kind of been floating around, um, they have never gained, they never gained 400 plus yards of offense in a game under Matt Canada. Um, and they haven't reached 400 plus total yards in 56 consecutive games, which is the second longest streak in NFL history. They are 29th in points per possession, 30th in yards per possession, 28th in total yards, and 28th in points in Matt Canada's three seasons. Yeah, and I mean, that that should speak enough on why he got fired. Obviously, he deserved it. Like, you can't run an offense that much into the ground. I just, I'm more say that I don't know if I necessarily expect a lot of changes, especially not this season. Next year, if they bring in a new offensive coordinator, switch the system up, try and, like, just try something new, right? Like, because I think it just comes down to that. If you want Pickett to be that guy, you need to trust him. You need to trust him to make those deep throws, and you need to put him in those, those positions. And I think it's we're going to really start to see that. As you mentioned, maybe trying to force a little bit more out of him, try and really like maybe get him to throw deep a couple times because you have those deep threats like that's something that like yeah that they definitely have they don't need to constantly rely on all these short passes it's just how much do you trust Pickett, right it's how do you trust yeah. Pickett to make those deep throws if you don't is this really the guy you want to put the franchises back on right i think those are the questions that the steelers are gonna have to start asking themselves i think a more interesting part of the story i don't know if you uh, heard for, heard this quote from Pickett. Pickett was actually upset about uh, the fact that Canada got fired, which is really interesting. Or he took it personally, is well, the words that it was used, with him saying, it's a challenge to everybody. I feel like you have to take it personal. It's a guy you've worked with since I got drafted here. You want to play great. You don't want to see anyone let get let go like that. So absolutely, we have to answer the bell and find out what we need to do to play better. And I... I think what okay, he... but that, that's just, that's just a normal response to like sure. your coach getting fired. I, sure, it's but it's like still the, him the, asking the his team met... to step up. Yeah, but the guy's not the guy's not going to come out unless it's like a Mike Babcock situation where the play, the coach is actively not great to the players. The players aren't going to come out and be like, "Yeah, I wanted this guy to get fired." This is great news. Like, it's not like yeah. Matt Canada was like a bad person or anything. He just like wasn't calling the offense great, but obviously all those things work in conjunction it's like the belichick brady debate in terms of who is responsible for the patriots dynasty is it bill belichick or is it tom brady sure. the answer yeah. is like neither or both because they they could only have been as good as they were because they worked together um so as much of an issue as matt canada was and believe me he was an issue um kenny pickett is right to take it upon himself to be like i need to play better um it's the right response and of course you don't want to your coach go even if deep down you know he's probably not the best fit because you know you have some responsibility inherent in that too yeah for sure i think that uh i mean i i agree with you i think that uh i don't know i still stand by what i said where i don't have that type of trust in Pickett. i think that those are the type of questions that we're going to see the steelers asking themselves is how committed are they to the quarterback they have currently touted to be the next franchise court guy I think that, uh, cause you have to, we have to start seeing more out of Pickett. 
right? Like he's currently yeah. 13 touchdowns, 13 picks. Meh. Bad. Yes. It's not great. However, I think you have to look at it situationally. And I, again, you have to look at it and say, yes, he had a bad play caller. And that, mean, that means a lot, I think. I think it's important to recognize how much coaching goes into the development of a young quarterback especially one who yes was he a first round pick yeah but he probably shouldn't have been it's just given how bad that draft was for quarterbacks yeah. he went 20th overall and it was just because like and and he was the first quarterback taken at 20 which like is pretty unprecedented for this recent string of nfl drafts um he's not quite a first round talent you need to develop him and his development i think has kind of been stunted so i think you need to give him another season or two at least under someone who actually knows what they're doing and hopefully they can hire somebody who can because i'm still viewing kenny pickett as a work in progress i think we are too quick to give up on quarterbacks and i think guys like geno smith and josh dobbs like there's going to be a guy every season that proves that and kenny pickett kind of feels like that kind of a guy because he has he has the talent He's not playing particularly well. The whole offense isn't. But um, it's the kind of thing where I think you can see it be unlocked further down the stretch. Because I, for all of the things aside, Kenny Pickett is, is winning games. And most of that is because of his defense. But he's played exceptionally well in fourth quarters when it matters for the Steelers. And they're 6-4 and four and have a playoff spot. So I don't think you can give up on the whole Kenny Pickett project just yet. And I think he deserves another season at least with a better play caller to see really if he can handle the um, pressure of being a starting quarterback for one of the NFL's most storied franchises. And I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. I'm not necessarily saying that I'm setting... I While I am definitely more on the other side of the fence, I can say that I'm not saying don't give on... Up, don't cut him right now, right? Like, that's not what I'm saying, to be clear. I'm saying that I think in the next year, it's really going to be up to how much do the, do the Steelers want to put into this guy, right? Do you want to build around? Do you want to build this offense around his style? Or do you want to start going, maybe we should move in a different direction? I think that's the conversation that needs to start being had in the next season and a half. Because I do agree with you. Give him a chance under another guy. If it doesn't go well, I mean, this time you fired the coordinator, maybe the next time you got to fire the quarterback, right? Like, it's just, who do you really want to blame, right? Uh, That's what I mean. Because this time, he has an easy out. He has an easy out, whether it's him to blame or not is up to you to decide next time it won't be that's what i'm trying to say so i think that this is a chance for Pickett yeah. to really start to show off the skill that everybody's kind of been looking for so if he shows off perfect if he doesn't that sucks the steelers are gonna have to move in a different direction and i think that's all those while i i get what you're saying with like the fact that we're all giving up on quarterbacks uh, probably too quick you also can't wait 10 years for the guy to turn into geno smith like, if Pickett needs to yeah. sit as a backup on a different team think, for 10 years before he turns into that, let him go do that. But it probably won't be as a stealer. That's true. That's true. And and with the defense they have, you probably don't want to wait that long. But um, I don't know. I, I think in terms of coaching, you have to try at least another face in the room just to see yeah, if it works sure. better yeah. um, for that player. Because, um, again, like, who knows what – to go to the extreme example, who knows what Patrick Holmes would have been if he went to a team like the Bears instead of a team like Juice. And had to get had to go um, under Nagy right from the start. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Although although I got Nagy fun funnily enough is his QB coach now. But I um, know that's 
I that's why I said it from the start. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, it, it's the kind of thing like we'll wait and see. There, there's been promising things. There's been not so promising things. Um. It'll be interesting to see how he reacts if they get in a playoff game. I think that that'll also be kind of informative because they're they're on track. 64. Well, and everything that you've said is just falls under things we will probably find out in the next year and a half, which is kind of my point, right? Yeah. Because you have to agree with me in the fact that let's say he new coach gets brought in after this season. This year they make it to the wild card. He shits the bed. Next season bring in a new coordinator. Still, let's say he's mediocre. The Steelers end up going under the like eight and eight mark, eight and nine, whatever. They go eight and nine. We'll say they go. Oh, eight they're nine. they're 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 not they're not gonna do that. They're gonna go nine and eight. This is Mike Tomlin. They they always go above five hundred. Okay, they go <laughs> nine and eight. Pickett has under twenty touchdowns. What would you do? Yeah, I, I'd probably be looking for other options, but I I, I mean yeah, yeah. like you tough. can't it's wait tough. forever. Right? That's the issue. Because I do agree with you. Inherently, if you can give these quarterbacks more time to develop, then potentially they can turn into a Geno Smith or a Josh Dobbs for you. But do you really want to put your franchise basically on hold, waiting for this guy to turn into an actual starter? Or do you want to potentially go... Because sure, I mean, if the Steelers at a certain point just want to slide him in the backup spot and try and bring in another guy so that they can do what you're talking about. That, but that even that feels weird. It's why quarterback is the um, a toughest question to answer in the NFL. Because even if you are saying get rid of Kenny Pickett, who are you going to replace him? Because the Steelers are probably going to be drafting in the same spot. They're probably, like, unless they want to get a free agent, like if they're looking for a Kirk Cousins or something, um, the options are going to be limited. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Kirk Cousins on the Pittsburgh Steelers? Put that on a headline. I could, I could actually really see that. I could like, too. that makes a lot of sense to <laughs> me. Holy shit, Caleb. <laughs> Put that on a fucking ESPN headline. <laughs> <laughs> Although him and Pickett would have to, like, fight in, like, probably, like, I'm imagining, like, lawn darts for, like, number eight. <laughs> Bocce ball. Bocce ball. ball. Some like what I could I could see them really bonding like father and son type bond. I could see them really oh, yeah. being friends. It's like that. That's like not to not to too smoothly transition us to our next topic. But that's like the Aaron Rodgers Zach Wilson bond they got going Ooh. on over there in New York. Yeah, it was funny Except, watching do you think, the. Um... Do you think that Kenny Pickett would make Kirk Cousins' life hell? <laughs> <laughs> do do you do you? I I don't know. I don't know. Kenny Pickett doesn't have the same frat boy energy going on that Zach Wilson does. I don't know if I can see it. Yeah, Kenny. I think Kenny Pickett aims for a younger or a younger demographic than Zach Wilson goes, and that's all I will say. I think he really does. (laughs) And that is all I will say on the topic, and we will move on. Zach Wilson (laughs) is getting benched. Has gone benched by Coach Robert Sala. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm tired. Um, Yep. And uh, they're bringing in a guy named Tim Boyle. Have you ever heard of a whiter, never gotten in an NFL game before, probably, that he should have gotten into no. a game before? No, well, you haven't. <laughs> I, I mean, no, no, I haven't, but a, but a close second would be the now backup Trevor Simeon. Like, that's pretty, it's a pretty white True. name. Um, right. Zach Wilson did not just get demoted. He got demoted to third string quarterback. That is the funny thing. Which I think, they don't want him anywhere that, near that football. 
he is completely gone from the Jets after this. This the last yeah. the game against the Bills was the last straw. Um, and it's Zach so Wilson disappointing. has just continued to be so frustrating. And I I actually am happy that we're transitioning into this so that we can talk about it a bit because I remember let's let's go back a couple of years and start there right. Think about like uh uh what's his name? Crap, Darnold. Why was I forgetting his name? That's a name I shouldn't forget. Sam Darnold when he was getting coached on this team, like everybody blamed the coaching. Everybody said that, sure, people, there were people who blamed Darnold, but everybody blamed the coaching, right? And then new regime comes in, that we have Robert Sala, they bring in Zach Wilson, everybody's like, hyped for Zach Wilson. Going into that draft, the hype for Zach Wilson was wild. Because I remember a couple months before, I don't even it know was if he pretty, was, It was pretty crazy, because yeah, he almost he came got, out of he nowhere. He rocketed up the draft He board. rocketed up the draft board, yeah. And then, uh, and over that was the spot that Justin Fields was in like a few months before. Like, a lot of people predicted like Lawrence Fields won too. Sometimes you got to stick to your your instincts before all of this yeah. tape starts well, coming out after the season is over. Whatever, what, and whatever, however you want to take that, that's not necessarily the point I'm trying to make. I'm saying that the hype going into Zach Wilson going to the Jets was a lot. There was a new coach who a lot of people liked, he was coming from the 49ers who had been a very successful team. And, yeah. <laughs> what ha- Say what you want on that. They had been He had been very successful with the 49ers, and he was being given a young quarterback who a lot of people had a lot of hope for based on his athleticism. Like, what what went wrong here? Like, who do you... So, okay, so... Like, do you just blame the Jets Wilson? being cursed and that they should be lit on fire as a franchise? No. Like... What do you what do you do? I don't. I just think well, I think Zach Wilson is such an enigma of a player. So watching him, I watched a lot of the Jets Raiders game. That was the recent Sunday night game. Um, and it's just the most I I, I did fall asleep for part of it because it's Jets Raiders, <laughs> but I don't think you can blame me for that. But yeah. for 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 what I'm watching of Zach Wilson, it's the same kind of thing that I watched like because I was really into the NFL draft that year. I did watch like some tape on Zach Wilson. Um, the issue with Zach Wilson coming out of college is honestly like the team he's playing for. When you're t- you're playing for a team like BYU, um, who has this offense, that BYU's offensive line was amazing when Zach Wilson played there. He had so much time to throw. He had an eternity back there. Um, so he can do all of the Zach Wilson things that make you go, oh, wow, this kid is crazy when he has a wide open pocket that can help him like dot, dot up people down the field. He's got all the time in the world, and when he's got all the time in the world, um, he is fantastic because he finds things, he makes stuff work. Um, he's good at just making something out of nothing, but that's when he has time to process it all. And I think that processing is kind of what's been the issue. Um and I he think, probably went to the worst team in the uh, NFL to really set him up properly. He did. Because the Jets' offensive line has not been great. Um, they have good players, but they've been dealing with a lot of injuries. I feel I don't even know if he's back now, but I know Mekhi Becton has had like consistent injuries. Um, Elijah yeah. Tucker, I'm pretty sure, was injured at some point. They're all good players, but they're... They're, when they're down to their backups, like the Jets offensive line has not been amazing this year. They've been pretty bad. Um, and, and, and that's the, the difficult thing is because that's such a huge adjustment from college to the NFL. College to the NFL is already a huge adjustment anyways, even if you're coming from a big program in the SEC like Ohio State or whatever. But um, coming from a smaller school like BYU, like it's 
it's night and day in comparison in terms of how quick the game is. And I don't think Zach Wilson has quite been able to get that. I do think um, I, there's been quotes. I, I, I'll get your thoughts on this, Simon, but like um, quotes about Aaron Rodgers saying um, the uh, he feels bad because Zach Wilson wasn't supposed to be put in this situation. He was supposed to be able to learn behind him for a couple of years. And obviously it's not Aaron Rodgers' fault that his Achilles snapped like a rubber band, but... Um, oh, Jesus. When I'm... <laughs> I don't like Aaron Rodgers. Um, um, but, I, uh, um, but to Aaron Rodgers' credit, I do, <laughs> to Aaron Rodgers' credit, I do th- I do think he's right in terms of um, as much as I don't like him, the guy's very smart um, in a football sense, and I do think Zach Wilson could have learned a lot from him if he had a couple years to sit behind him, and I do think they could have served his career really well. Um, so it is kind of it does kind of suck to see um, this development in terms of him not being able to sit and develop under Aaron Rodgers and learn so much and being forced into it. But I don't know. Do you think it would have been any different if, like, if you see Zach Wilson in a couple of years after sitting behind Aaron Rodgers, do you think he's still yes, gonna flame out, or do you think a thousand times better? Like, I think that okay. when I look at Zach Wilson, I think that it's the same thing that I just said. It's the same thing with Pickett, honestly. Like where. Like you said, I think that you said that you think for Pickett, the having giving him the opportunity to play with like a new offensive coordinator who can, you know, help him out a little bit, right? Get him out of his shell, right? I think it's a similar thing with Zach Wilson. Replace that guy with A Rod, being the starter for a season. Give Zach Wilson a chance to just mellow, right? Like you do not need Zach Wilson to keep burning his confidence into the into the ground like he has. For this season and the years prior right i think that it would have been huge for him like i i yeah. truthfully i think it would have been a game changer i think him not i think a rod hit it right on the hammer right on the nail with that one i think that uh that really did i not that he should feel bad for it obviously maybe i disagree with you a little bit on the rubber band thing but <laughs> but uh oh <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I think I... that Zach Wilson probably. I I I don't think obviously he's not to blame for the position he's in, but uh, you can't let him keep shit in the bed over and over. You no, you can't that. let him keep. Like he was playing so bad, and this Jets team has potential to where you're like you have to change something. And you, I think they've you, just been Garrett set up Wilson to the point where they has... just gotten to the point where like you watch him play and it looks like he's one of the better receivers in the nfl and he's being wasted having uh yeah being having the ball he thought he was gonna have a rod thrown to him all season and now he's got zach wilson yeah and like i, I don't know i do think the zach wilson hate is a little bit overblown at points but it's just it's just because you can't put it all together like the Jets Raiders game was such a perfect like encapsulation of it to where he Zach Wilson he had this last drive and he looks fantastic he looks amazing he has like no look Mahomes type throws genuinely like a play that if Mahomes made that's that's everywhere um, and it's like holy shit maybe Zach Wilson actually is something maybe and then Zach he Wilson comes out on football. the yeah, and then he, he leads them all the way down the field to potentially win the game, and then it's just, like, boneheaded mistake. He stares and down his receiver the entire way. That's experience, yeah. right? Like, you got to think, put him behind A-Rod, who's, like, 
one of the more clutch quarterbacks you could probably name in the last 10 years, that wouldn't have hurt him. Like, give him another yeah. year of, like, I'd imagine, and, like, his confidence would have gone up playing behind A-Rod, probably would have taken a couple things, you know, in the cave. He would have came out at the end of it being a much better quarterback. You don't know what's in that yeah. cave juice, man. Yeah. <laughs> you don't That's true. know what's in that cave I, juice. <laughs> I mean, you, you, can see, you can see it from Zach Wilson, too, because, like, again, that, that game, he's all over A-Rod on the sideline, just, like, up and down, up and down, and he's like, going over plays with him the entire game. Um, he's trying to, like, soak in as much as he can, and I think Zach Wilson has gotten a lot more mature in that aspect in terms of trying to actively learn. Because um, I know he had like a quote like last year. Where well, he was basically like, yeah, like you feel like you let the defense down. And he was like, no. And that, that's kind of changed <laughs> this year. He's yeah, taken more and, accountability. Yeah, and that's good. And obviously, uh, I think being around a lot of mature people in his life, that's really helped him out as well, obviously. A-Rod, and I can think of a couple other examples, but, you know, he's around a lot of veteran experience in all parts of his life, and that's, that, I think that's helping him out a lot. <laughs> I couldn't possibly know what you were referring to, Zach. I don't know either, I'm just talking out of my ass. Let's move on, next segment! <laughs> uh, okay, what, where are we going next? We could, uh... How about we talk about, we'll talk um... I don't know. You want to go Brady? You think Brady's Let's good? Let's go Brady. Let's go Brady. There is, so Brady came out and made an interesting kind of boneheaded comment, frankly, um, about how there is a Ooh. lot of mediocrity in today's NFL due to coaching. And uh, it's kind of okay. just a vague comment, in my opinion. Like, it's a very vague comment. Like, he doesn't, I don't know if he necessarily, does he go into it a bit more? Yeah. He does. Yeah. So do you want? Here's the full. Sure. Here's the full. Quote. Yeah, I'll let you take it if um, you know more about it. Yeah. So he said, um, "There's a lot of mediocrity in today's NFL. I don't see the excellence that I saw in the past. The coaching was isn't as good as it was. I don't think the development of young players is as good as it was. The rule, the rules. This is the interesting part to me is the rules part. The coaching part. It's hard to like validate that. He, I'm not in the room. He is, um, or he was. Um, the he rules part is, is interesting. The, he's coming back. Now. The He's coming back. Uh, the rules the rules have allowed a lot of bad habits to get into the actual performance of the game. The product, in my opinion, is less than it's been. I look at a lot of players like Ray Lewis, Rodney Harrison, and Ronnie Lott, guys that have impacted the game in a certain way. Every hit they would have made would have been a penalty. You hear coaches complain about how their own players are being tackled. Why don't they talk about the player about how to protect themselves? We used to work on the fundamentals of those things all the time. Now they're trying to be regulated all the time. Yeah, and I do understand his point because he's not wrong. Like, of course, it's going to bring down... The you don't need to learn how to protect yourself if you don't have to. It's that idea, right? But it's... Uh, uh, do you really want to say that to every single player who's now 60 dealing with concussion issues who can't eat food by himself? Like, that's, that's the conversation. Yeah. It's safety versus... Like I I don't know I don't I don't agree with them I think what what I I don't think that's the skill I think the skill part of the conversation is ir irrelevant clearly I've been hit too many times in the head like I think uh, <laughs> it's just 
like safety has to come first, especially with head injuries, which is, I mean, when you're talking about like, uh, obviously Ray Lewis, Rodney Harrison, Ronnie Lott, you're talking about a group of guys who would have been known for knocking people the hell out. Right. That's the whole idea. Yeah. When you aim, like, it's the same thing. Go back even, not even as far cam chancellor, his hits. Yeah. A lot of them would have been penalties now, if you look at it. Right. It's the same idea, right? Like, as cool as they are, believe me, I grew up playing hockey. I grew up watching hockey. I love the big hits. I love the fights. But you got to be smart. Like, you got to think about these people's futures, right? Like, it's more about that. Like, do you really want to be the league, keep on being the league that's known for CTE? Like, we're known, that's literally just known for sending people into terrible retirements. Like, it's just, it's crappy. Like, it's, and that's the thing, right? Like, that's, that, that's the part that I don't think that Brady necessarily acknowledged that uh, I don't think he'd feel the same way if he had taken as many hits from Le- Ray Lewis, Rodney Harris, and Ronnie Lott. When you're a quarterback, I don't think you have to take those kind of hits. Put Tom Brady in, like, a running back shoes, I don't think he's making the same argument. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a decent point. I mean, Brady probably sees himself as this very good because his whole thing is, like, beating aging through sheer will. And so he probably, he sees it more of a, I, I can see why he'd see it more as something he can control. Um, I think it's interesting. I think Brady, I think your point like is, is right. Like uh, player safety obviously has to be first um, ahead of everything. Um, and if it's it, the if boring it does, answer, the product, yeah, it's the boring yeah, it's, answer. If it, but if it's, it's, yeah, but it's important. Um, and if it does dilute the product a little bit, I'm almost willing to take that just so that these players don't, have long-lasting health implications like CTE. Um, but where I do think Brady maybe has a point is just in how it's called. Um, yeah, no, of cause, course. Because yeah. some of them... I, I, okay, another thing that I want to say about Brady's comments, like, okay, buddy, you've been out of the league for, what, a year? And now you're talking about, oh, back in my day. I yeah. get you've been around for a year, That is a funny year, thing, buddy, right? But today's, today's NFL. You played last season, buddy. Um, but... Um, so it's still your NFL, pretty much. Um, but I do think he has a point in terms of how some of this stuff is called, particularly roughing the passer. Because a great example is a hit on Brady, the hit on Brady in like the 2018 AFC Championship game where he got like tapped on the shoulder. That yeah. stuff shouldn't be called. Um, I think the rules are fine as they are, but and just in some of the stuff in terms of how they're called, um, it's like the defensive player cannot do anything. It's good that the defensive player should be aware of this. They should know uh, that there are certain tackles that they shouldn't be able to make. Um, there's certain, like, you can't drive the quarterback to the ground, whatever. But there's some stuff that's just unavoidable, and I think that's diluting the product a little bit. because. And I think, um, and the fact that me and you are able to sit here and go like, okay, I can tell the difference between uh, a quarterback getting tapped and maybe falling over and, you know, oopsie-poopsie, like that's that shit getting called and when patrick mahomes gets rushed and sent halfway to mars <laughs> right after yeah. the hit there's a difference right me when we're watching the play i can sit here and go yeah that <laughs> that, that guy should be getting a penalty and that guy literally literally like like it's there's the a difference. Need right? more accountability. I I was gonna say I think that there should just be an expect there. It shouldn't be black and white. I think right now it's actually too black and white. 
this call in a weird way. I think that it should be more put on the ref's uh, ability to look at a play and maybe its potential to hurt a player. And I think that should more determine it. Or potential to hurt a player. I also think you have to take, uh, like, uh, what's the what's the word? I'm tired. <laughs> uh, like, did they mean to do it? Right? Like, you have to look at it like that. As intention. Well. Intention. There you go. Like, uh, you have to look at it like that, right? Because I think that we should, like, having it be black and white where every time uh, after the ball is thrown, you have to blow it down is dumb. Because, of course, like you said, these guys are 300 pounds of meat running at this quarterback. I can tell you that I probably can't sl- stop that quick, and I ate 300 pounds. Like, you're going to run into them occasionally that's gonna happen just it's the it's how it works i think that i think it should just like you said more accountability from the referees i think they should just be like you should be putting that position to the ref sure there's still gonna be bad calls there's no preventing that but i think that yeah i think that you'd be making it easier to there there'd be less bad calls i think if you put the right refs in that position I think you the way you prevent that is just more video replay because yeah. the yeah. refs are put exactly. in such a spot where they can't they can't see the whole field from where they are. It's very easy to see how badly a missed call how bad a missed call is from the comfort of your own home. There needs to be more instant and replay so and I'm not even talking about like like you know what you could yeah. do? Like it would be and I know like this is this is gonna sound futuristic as hell. I wonder if you could like give the referees some sort of like, it hell. It's not futuristic actually. As like I can, I'll I'll explain why it's not futuristic in a second. Literally just like give them a running armband. You know like some runners. You know how they have like a a thing to keep their phone on them in the in here, right? Put it yeah. down here. Put it down here. Put like it could be a phone. It could be just a screen of some sort. Put it in there. And have it be a live feed to the broadcast. Like, literally, I'm not kidding. It would work. And I know it would work. Because I, uh, on a lot of the games that I call now, where I do play-by-play for the State Trojans, and a lot of the games that I've called, I'll get sent, I literally get sent a live link. Different to if you were just watching the normal broadcast. I get sent a live, like, link version of it. So that I can see exactly what is happening at that exact moment, right? If you, if I can get that, I'm not calling high level games. If I can get that kind of technology, are you telling me that the NFL can't give their referees i little iPhones in patches on their arms? Come on, yeah, like, yeah. Or even like like that's one possible solution. But another thing, like you pointed out, the NFL is such a big corporation. Just hire more people. Hire more people too. to put in that a virtual too. replay booth. Yeah. Um, and just hell, help. hire and more people. To, hire more referees to have on the field. Like, is that a yeah. crazy thing to say? Like, can we not put more referees down there? Like, yeah. Or even even just like, I do think it's a thing with the virtual, like with the with the replay. Um, like, I think that's important because I think it provides a lot more clarity. But you already kind of see it in the NFL in terms of there's certain calls that are made and then they'll have a quick little, like, they won't, they the coach won't challenge it, but they'll have a quick thing. Like, if it's marked short of a first down, they'll get a quick, like, buzz in their earpiece. Someone will tell them that call was wrong and they'll change it right away. We need yeah. more of that 
or that's certain not, calls. That's not certain, that crazy either. Like, it's, there's certain you calls said that accountability, that review, comes down on that. Review. Yeah. Yeah, there's certain calls that you can't review. Like, um, the 2019 NFC Championship game, um, where it was an obvious pass interference on the Rams, and then they instituted the rule that you could review it next year, and then the NFL basically did that as just, like, um, to give something to Saints fans because they got rid of it the next year, and I don't think they should have. It is a judgment call, and it is hard, but you need something to catch those obvious calls. And the crazy thing is what we see on the broadcast is, I, the example I gave you of giving them an iPhone to a, with a version of live broadcast is as simplified. That is a very simple version of that. That would cost basically nothing. Like, yeah. I'm like, uh, let, this is the NFL. And we've seen the type of technology that they now have. Where we actually see them, like, zoom in on live replays and get, like, I'm sure you've seen it. Where they, like, all spin the camera around like they have a free cam of what's happening so that they can see if it's in. You know what I'm talking about? Imagine if we could give yeah. the referees that kind of technology literally on their wrist. Is that like I don't know if that's possible or not. I'm no I, I I am not smart when it comes to this stuff. But all I'm saying is there has to be like what if the lowest that you can possibly do is give them a live broadcast. What is the best? Is kind of the question I'm asking. Because seriously, I don't think it's that it's that absurd to say that we could they can do they can definitely be doing better. And if the worst is a live feed, I'd be interested to see what the best thing to do is. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Because I, I do think it's... Because, again, to go back to the Brady stuff, like it, it, as, as kind of crude and the headline grabby as his full quote yeah. is, I do, think it, I do think it gets at a real issue in terms of refereeing. Because you hate to see it as fans. And to see a penalty shift the game, I think the NFL should have looked into it more after a penalty decided what was an otherwise amazing Super Bowl. That Super Bowl for me, the Eagles-Chiefs, was ruined because it was called by a defensive holding call that was controversial um, that I don't think should have been called. Um, When you have games decided by that, from the smallest games, like the Seahawks-Rams game over the weekend was decided by a completely phantom PI call. I don't know if it was on Witherspoon or, or Woolen, but the Seahawks lost partially because... They, they were bad anyways, but they lost partially because of this completely phantom call that would have limited the Rams to a field goal instead of a touchdown um, at the end of the game. It, it's deciding games, and there needs to be something done about it. And to your point, they have so much resources. You've already come up with a solution that can be implemented and probably help a lot. Um, and that's just from like shooting the shit for 15 minutes on a podcast. These guys can figure out something significantly <laughs> right. yeah, better. Right. And that's the point that I, and that even goes back to what I said earlier, where me and you, who are both idiots who sit on a couch every Sunday and watch football, are able to look at a screen and go, that should be a pass interference. That shouldn't be pass interference or passer interference. I think that somebody who gets paid to literally do this professionally should be able to do the exact same when looking at their wrist. <laughs> That's kind yeah. of the point I'm making. I don't think that there should be a rush to like you can throw a flag on the field and like convene for a second. Let the let the drama build a little bit, you know? We don't have to immediately run to a guy on the mic and just go, pass or interference, and then they go to replay, and it's like, literally, the guy just, like, blew air at him, and it's just like, well, kind of waited a second to, like, yeah. you know, maybe let it, let it sink in. Pick up a flag! What's the worst that's gonna happen? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there should yeah. be, there should be something there. It shouldn't be as black and white as it is. 
where they just have to, yeah. this is how things are. We all have to accept it. Right. Like if they get yeah. a call wrong, which is kind of how it is now. Yeah. Yeah. And we can, we, we probably have time to do talk about one more of these things. I think, uh, I think we should talk about the Joe Burrow injury. I think Joe that, to talk about the NFL this week and talk, not talk about Joe, Joe Burrow being out for the rest of the season would be a bit bad on us. So I think we yeah. should we should speak a little bit on this because I think it's a very interesting topic just in the fact that this is now the second time this season and the last time this season obviously that we've seen Joe Burrow struggle with injuries and uh, yeah it's interesting it's like uh, I don't remember exactly what the for earlier this year he was struggling with I think it was his leg right it was his calf calf right his calf so obviously two very different situations and i i do not remember i did not see how he heard it but i still think that it happened on a tackle okay like um it sucks for the Bengals. it sucks for burrows because he is such it sucks for the league it sucks for the league yeah i i'm just so like i hate all of the quarterback injuries that have happened this year it's just been it feels like it's been significantly more than normal um as much as i love the josh dobbs story in minnesota like kirk cousins was playing amazing um the joe burrow thing you've like we've just seen like aaron Rodgers. obviously we've seen so many backup quarterbacks take the field and it just makes some of these matchups especially the ones with aaron Rodgers, that were just hyped up and would be amazing games if these star quarterbacks were playing it just seems so much worse um like the the Black Friday game. Can you imagine how amazing that Dolphins Jets game would be if they had Aaron Rodgers at quarterback? Well, the Dolphins offense about how, Jets how good we thought the Jets were going to be with a Rod at the beginning of the year, right? Like everybody yeah. thought they were going to be real game breakers, and now all of a sudden it's just that, like that Black bears. Friday game would have been fantastic. And now it's like the the Dolphins I think are favored by like ten or eleven points, and it's going to be a complete snooze fest, and there's no way I'm turning in. Um, this gets the same kind of thing with the Bengals. I don't have any faith in the Bengals to win more than like two or three games the rest of the way. Who's their they got Jake Browning. Jake Browning. Jake Browning. I don't yeah, trust Jake Browning to do anything. Like I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm looking at it and this is just I'm I'm thinking Jake particularly and at Jake Browning sounds like a not only a realtor name, but like a bad realtor. Like, or like a bad lawyer. Like the lawyer you'd see on like a bus bench on the wrong side of town. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's yeah. what I imagine Jake Browning. And I would I would not trust him to handle any of either of those things I just mentioned, let alone an NFL team. <laughs> yeah. It just makes like, there's a couple more primetime games. They, they have a primetime game against the Jags. That would have been fun if they, if it was Burrow v. Burrow v. Lawrence. New Year's Eve against the Chiefs. That would have been a fantastic game because Chiefs Bengals is always amazing. Well, it and sucks. now it's like those games. Injuries those games are always be... suck. Like no matter what, which is yeah. like, like and. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're totally right. Like the more I think about it, like uh, there has been an absurd amount of injuries this year. There's been at points where like. Obviously, this is not the first time Burroughs has been hurt, which is something we already talked about. The Bengals, it, se- it seemed like the Bengals were just starting to get on a roll, too. Like, they were just starting to get yeah. their, their shit together. Where, like, uh, I mean, and there's been examples. Because that, that, that Niners game is the best they looked, right? Like, yeah. they, they just wiped the floor with them. 
Yeah. And, and then the I, Bills it just game sucks. The next it week literally, too. it literally just sucks. Like, there has been an absurd. I wonder if we can find a list so that we can get like the exact number because I know there's been more than you mentioned. Every right? single, um, every single year that the Bengals waste, um, like this is a wasted year. There, there's, there's no. The Bengals season ended on Thursday night when Joe Burrow, um, I think he tore in, a tendon in, in his wrist. There, the Bengals season ended right there because um, they can't win anything without him. Um, and the more seasons that you waste, obviously the less, the more money you're going to have to pay to people like T. Higgins, to Jamar Chase, to Joe Burrow, um, who got an, uh, the extension that makes him the highest paid player in the NFL that's going to kick in. I don't know if it kicks in next season or the season after or if it already has, but um, you're going to have to start playing some of your players because the, yeah. the exciting thing about this Bengals team was that it was such a young core you're going to need to start playing some of those players and you start wondering if their Super Bowl window is closing if they have another couple wasted seasons. And It's really give... terrible to see with how much promise they showed at the start. And I want to go back to the thing again, how many teams have lost their starters since the start of the year. Do you have a guess on the exact number? Because it's pretty high. Have lost their starters. So we're, we're yeah. talking like... The, here's a question. Do you count people who were injured before week one? Like, does Kyler Murray count? No, Kyler does not count. Okay. Kyler, okay. The, the Cardinals mm. are not on this list. And that also should tell you something. That this list is higher if you count the Cardinals. And this is this is only injuries, not benchings or anything? Uh, yes, only injuries. Okay. I would reckon to guess like seven. Wow, dead on. <laughs> yeah okay yeah because we've got the in order this, the is, this is a ranking Brown. of how devastating it is anyway, i want to i want to try to guess them all on how, in terms of okay, how devastating clear, it is to be clear so this is the order that it's in through the seven it goes or wait is there only six? Oh, it only lists six. oh man <laughs> you're wrong damn damn <laughs> i thought That's i thought so you had close. it anyway number it goes six through how devastating is in they're kind of comparing the starter to the replacement a little bit here. Okay. So starting at six, so this is the least devastating. Do you have a guess? It's not hard. The least devastating. Least devastating, not hard. In my opinion, it's pretty obvious. In terms of an injury? Uh... In terms of it, not necessarily in terms of injury, but in terms of who they're replacing the player oh. with. Is it the Colts? No, it's the Vikings. I disagree so hard. Really? Well, as as yeah. great as Kirk Cousins is, I love, Josh Dobbs I love is not a bad Josh QB. Dobbs. I love me some Josh Dobbs, and I think he's played great, but I think Kirk Cousins was a top-five quarterback before oh, I, he got No, hurt. that's not what I'm saying, Caleb. I'm just saying that, like, look at it like this. The Vikings with Josh Dobbs is not a bad team. When you go further down this list... There's a lot of teams here neither, where neither looking are the, at their neither are the Colts. The Colts, neither are the Colts, the Colts are actually fourth. So there's another team in between. There's another team in between. Okay, so it's not the it's not going to be the Bengals. So there's six. It's not going to be the Bengals. It's not going to be the Browns. It's not going to be the Jets. Who else has lost their their quarterback this year? Do we, I, and are we not? We're not counting you, guys that 
got injured and came if back, you... right? So no, ju no Justin Fields, no Derek no, Carr. No, 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 no. Do you want me to just tell you if you don't even have a clue? Because otherwise, you're just gonna. Go I don't. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know this one. Yeah. Okay. The Giants. Oh yeah. Okay. Jones is so hurt, and they currently are playing uh, that... Tommy DeVito. Yeah, so... Tommy DeVito. <laughs> Who still lives at home with his parents, which is great, and uh, making the plate of pasta every night. Get the spaghetti. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, they have him at fifth, because I think uh, okay, one that's, Daniel that's, Jones Tommy, is not Tommy... an elite quarterback by any means, and Tommy DeVito has been all right. Yeah, they would be six if it was Tyrod Taylor, I think. Yeah. Okay, and then yeah, like any 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 sort of or I'd say like and then yeah, then I'd, probably, so I'd probably go Browns, Bengals, Jets for the order. I'd say Browns, Browns is a little less devastating than the Bengals. Yeah, nobody's mad about that injury. I mean, cough didn't say anything. No. Uh, Bengals, uh, <laughs> Joe Joe Burrow. Yeah, Bengals are two. Jake Browning, and then number one Jets for Zach Wilson, who at this point yeah. is Tim. Yeah, finally benched for Tim Boyle, so they Tim even Boyle. mentioned that in here. So now it's almost Aaron Rodgers for Tim Boyle. Doesn't Which is, 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 is about as bad as it gets. Yeah, pretty much. I think that that should probably do it on the, I don't know, NFL recap of the week. Obviously, we went into kind of a little bit of everything. I think we've, we've got NHL coming up next. So we're going to move into the NHL and start off with some Patrick Kane rumors, which we haven't talked about a lot since uh, the NHL season started. It, in the fact that eventually I think everybody knew that uh, Patrick Kane would be making a return, like, uh, I don't know, coming in 30 in, like, the WWE Royal Rumble is what I'd compare it to. All of a sudden you just hear, like, you know, some somebody's music, everybody goes, holy shit. That's kind of what I'd compare this to, but the NHL's version is we've got probably one of the best scorers of the last 15 years while he is now out of his prime going to a team and instantly adding a scoring flair that that team might need and my head immediately goes to certain teams that are missing that as of this time but uh there's the currently there's three teams that are apparently being narrowed down on as potential uh, suitors and they are the florida panthers the detroit red wings and the buffalo Sabres. are the three teams that most people are saying which is really interesting to me because a uh, rumor that i actually pitched this segment to you caleb with was the fact that he'd potentially go to the maple leafs as apparently he has interviewed with the maple leafs and he has talked to as many as eight clubs so far so bringing in the maple leafs that makes four that we know of that's another four that we don't i think there are a lot of really interesting options obviously i completely thought from the start that if i'm patrick kane i'm going to a team that's at the top you are not going to a team that might be good or that might be better with you on it. You are going to a team that's already insane, and you are just adding to that. And there's yeah. a lot of options I thought that uh, he'd be approaching. I think that uh, one team that would be on here if uh, they had a better start to the season would absolutely be the Edmonton Oilers, which is why I actually thought that uh, they they were going to be my dark horse to get them. Because I mean, think about it like this from the perspective of the Oilers. I mean. They have been struggling to score. They've been struggling to find someone to slide up there with McDavid. McDavid's been struggling. It would not hurt to throw a veteran elite scorer like Patrick Kane on that top line. Like, that would be killer for them. That is exactly what they really, really need, other than goaltending, obviously. That sucks, too. But it's just, it, it can't hurt. 
is kind of what I mean, especially if you sign him on a one-year deal. Finding that cap room would be tough for them, but I'm surprised that conversation was never had is kind of what I mean. I, But I mean, even cap room for the Maple Leafs and whatever so have you would be tough. Like, there's, there's a lot of interesting teams here. I'm curious who you might think that... Who would you like to see Patrick Kane on if you could pick for Patrick Kane? <laughs> okay, well, I'm like going through. I think the Maple Leafs is interesting because that's kind of the thing they always do. I feel like where they're just, yeah, you had it with Brian O'Reilly last year, and now you're having it. You could have the same kind of thing. Um, the Oilers is another one, and I think that actually works really well. Um, that actually might be my if cap space wasn't a thing that might be my number one just because like you said the scoring i mean and goaltending but scoring is their is one of their big issues um having him up there would be great i don't know i'm thinking it wouldn't solve their problems but it would not hurt it wouldn't hurt and it feels like the oilers feel like one of those teams that just kind of needs a spark to get where they should be you know because it's like they're not they're not they're like as much as we are Oilers haters even we wouldn't have anticipated them being this bad um, I don't know you're talking about the Oilers always like, it's a cat- David's a bust <laughs> okay that, that's true but um, it's the kind of like I feel like they do just need a little bit of a spark to get going the one place where I do think I could see it though is Detroit I feel like that's such an interesting one um, specifically because it would be um, a reunion with the brinket and i think that could be Ooh, such a good um yeah i think Man, that could be such Detroit a good um would look so wrong <laughs> like it would i see to bring it in i mean a him and, anything jersey, and it honestly than... looks fine kane that's true kane in a rangers jersey looked wrong so i mean you can't get much yeah, wrong kane in anything but a blackhawks jersey just feels wrong well it's but... not only that but look seeing him in another original six teams jersey just is weird it's like it's he's like gonna seeing a team all, go he's from like all Leafs the to Bruins, right? Yeah. It's the same idea where it's just like it just feels so like wrong. I don't know. He's gonna hit up all the original six teams by the end of his career. See him in a Boston jersey, up in Toronto, in Detroit. Oh. Already hit <laughs> Rangers and Blackhawks. That would be so gross. <laughs> yep. See, Kane imagine in a Bruins Kane in a Bruins jersey. Sick. That makes me want to vomit. And I actually kind of like the Bruins. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, even a Maple Leafs jersey is not much better for me, but Bruins just seems like the worst. It really does. I think Red Wings is the, like, I don't mind that fit in the Red Wings either. I just think it's so no, perfect I don't in terms of what they need no. to get over the hump. Of course not. I, I That wasn't me saying that I think that it'd be the wrong fit, because I... I do think it would work well. My and just we brought, vibe. we the obviously vibe. brought up the Maple Leafs, and I quickly I was quick to bring up their roster just because I I was curious where he would fit, and I actually kind of am I'm curious how good of a season Matthew uh, Nyes is having because he's on that top line with Matthews and Marner, and then behind that they have Tyler Bertuzzi, John Tavares, and William Nylander. Nylander. Why did I say Nylander? That's a, that's a weird way to pronounce that. Anyway irrelevant because of matthew knees <laughs> matthew knees and uh i think uh where where would you slide him in because he is naturally i believe a right winger patrick king and where where do they have where do they have nice playing 
They is Nia playing, playing the left, left wing? Or the... He's playing the left wing. The I will say the issue with the Maple Leafs is automatically that I I I want to fact check myself actually. Uh, that Patrick Kane is. I want to figure out which side he normally plays on. He normally plays on the. He shoots left, so I'm assuming he usually plays left wing. And uh, oh, I think he's the right wing. Maybe I'm wrong. Somebody in the comments, let me know. But um, <laughs> like I'm assuming he's a I'm assuming he's a right winger because I've always thought he was a right winger. I think he's one of those wingers who plays on his off way offhand, like Ovi. And uh, I don't know. It's do you really want to? push are you gonna push out marner or nylander right hell no. even pushing bertuzzi down to a third line feels weird right like it's one of those things I where think... like where do you slide him it has to be where knees is like matthew matthew nice like you have to you have to um somehow make that work I'm... yeah i mean that's the issue with the leafs right that they have the best roster in the league like they... it's not performing yeah, they just suck. At the level it should be, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you pretty much hit it right there. Like, they just can't do it. Like, uh... Which is why I don't think Kane is the right fit for them. Not another only reason them, why it would not fit cap. at all is that he can't wear 88 because of uh, Nylander. So I immediately... Imagine Patrick Kane on the Leafs not wearing 88. Yeah, like like that. I'm sure so Nylander. Nylander. I feel like Nylander would give that up. Oh hell no, he wouldn't. No, no, of course not. It's his whole brand now. He's a star. I guess. No, he not Nylander would not give up that number. Like it's it would be. Well, he doesn't have to worry about it. What did you say there? I mean, you don't have to worry about it because I don't think it's realistic that it'll happen. I don't think it fits their needs, and I don't think they have the cap space to do it. Yeah, which, I mean, I think that we talked about the Oilers now. We've talked about the Leafs. I think now that really does help narrow down exactly why the Panthers, the Red Wings, and the Buffalo Sabres are all the teams listed here because they are the teams that they kind of make more sense. Um, yeah, I think the Sabres is The Sabres is a little bit weirder. The it's Sabres weird, have not nearly been as good as they should. Yeah, but... Because, I, like, I think you said, going to a team that is that kind of needs to be good already, like, from what the Sabres have shown, I don't think... That, our expectations are that they were, but I don't think they've shown that this year. No. But, uh... But that, that really leaves Detroit and the Florida Panthers, if you're trying to narrow it down there. And the Panthers have dealt with a lot of injuries. Like, uh, and that's been their issue this season, especially on the defensive side, as I know they were missing both. Ekblad, Montour. Yeah, they were missing quite a few players at one point. I, I, I don't necessarily, I think out of the three, I kind of agree with you. I think Detroit's the best fit. I think he would really automatically add a lot to that Detroit team. Not saying that they don't already have a lot, obviously, but it would add a lot to them. So I think that's super interesting. I think whoever gets him is instantly going to be a way better team. I don't. If you're looking as Kane at Kane as a already completely out of his prime uh, scorer who's not going to do much, you're wrong. 
Like, Kane's going to still be able to come in. I think if he played a full season, Kane's still skilled enough to score 25. Like, it's... I At least, like, on in the right position, I think he totally can. Yes, I, but I also, I also think, though, that um, to your earlier point, you do kind of have to be an already good team. I think if you're yeah. looking at signing Patrick Kane, you need to look at him not as the solution to all your problems, but as a complementary piece that can help you get over over the hump. At this point in his career, he cannot be the guy that's going to come in and fix everything. That's what worries me a little bit about Buffalo, is that that kind of positions him a little bit more as the guy who needs to come in and fix everything. On a team like Florida or, or Detroit, it so yeah, I totally do see what you're where you're coming from though. I think that Buffalo is definitely the the right uh the the right pick to not to probably write off that list right away where it's just like the other two two teams there are just kind of Again, or not like, necessarily yeah, the other two. I think the Panthers still obviously have a good team, just injuries. They they're running into a wall. Like it's just like and do you yeah. really want to risk that if you're Kane? Kane can go anywhere. Do you really want to go to a team that's injury-ridden, whether you went to the Stanley Cup Finals last year or not. Yeah, because you have to wonder how much of that's a fluke. And, like, the Red Wings feel like a good kind of team where if you're playing two years, you can ride it out a little bit and have a couple of shots at a cup because I feel like their future yeah. is very bright. The immediate future. So, yeah, I, I actually do agree with you. I think that that's probably the... I, I would say Red Wings are the best fit. He would not fit well in that jersey. And that is where I would choose to end. Yeah, the vibes are not right. The vibes like, ain't it. But Patrick Kane. What about what about you know you know what the vibes are right, Simon? You know where the vibes are right. Patrick Kane and the Calgary Flames jersey. Make it happen. We're still winning. We're still relevant. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. God, we've had so much. Cool. And think about it like this: we've had so much success with American talent. I'm sure it would work out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah 100 it's not like every all of them end up hating us and leaving it's it's like they love it here they love it here he'll come here yeah yeah what's the meme that you always do on twitter flame that's the that's there you go patrick kane he's a flame first line with huberto uh zari it's gonna be great so to continue down the nhl road a little bit we're gonna be talking about the 2025 international tourney that was just recently announced that uh, is scheduled for February 2025, and it will be played between four teams. Doesn't that, that sound like a fun international tourney? Uh, the teams playing will be Canada, U.S., Finland, and Sweden. Uh, and a lot of people are very disappointed for, uh, I think, fairly obvious reasons that I should not have to necessarily point out. And that's mostly because the headline's not great. Like, most headlines you would have read is NHL's 2025 international tourney will include four nations. That sounds lame. That sounds super lame. But, uh, and it probably will be. But uh, I think that's because everybody's expectations is that it was going to be similar to uh, the World Cup in 2016, which still wasn't great. Or even the Olympics, where we'd see at least, like, eight teams most years, I want to say. So it was still a lot more entertaining. And a lot of people just look at this four-team thing and go, like, what the hell? This is going to suck. And, uh, frankly, it's if you're looking at it, comparing it to those international competitions, you will be disappointed. But the thing is, the NHL isn't even comparing it to that. Because they have uh, labeled it, they obviously labeled it a global tourney. And not uh, the World Cup. 
which is why they pointed out the fact that in 2026 there will be the uh, Winter Olympics, and then in 2027 they were planned to do another World Cup. Make sure to I want to make sure to really emphasize on the difference between World Cup and international tourney in this case, because I guarantee you that the World Cup will have more than four teams. Which I think is the important thing to look at here. I don't think that disappointment is the right way to necessarily look at it because we are getting our first international competition since 2016. Let me be excited. It'll have been nine years since the World Cup when this happens. Like, let's just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head because it's like you... There's a reason they're branding it differently, like you said. Um, it's not going to be the World Cup. It's more of an exhibition than anything. It's yeah. a proof of concept. They're they're kind of going back in slowly but surely. And it kind of sucks that we're going to have to even wait another, I guess 2023 is coming to a close, but we're going to have to wait another like a year and a bit um, yeah. to get even the small exhibition format, which sucks and is why I, I understand the frustration. But um, and- I think it... To, to even point out, a lot of the reason people get excited for these international competitions, especially, like, think about it like this. People get excited because they think, imagine a line of McDavid, McKinnon, and Crosby. People talk about that stuff, right, for Canada. For the uh, for uh, America, you'd have Matthews, Kachuk, and... <laughs> I don't know. Who's another good American winger? I'm blanking. Goudreau, if he's still good at hockey, like yeah, like there's well, that's people TBD like to think about people. Yeah, TBD on that. People like to talk about that stuff. You are going to still see that. It's just maybe not against as many different teams as you might have thought. Yeah, and that's okay. And I think with those teams they picked for the international tourney, those are the four teams you'd expect to see in like a semifinals in the Olympics. If you told me the semifinals in the Olympics was Canada, Finland, U.S., Sweden, I'd be like, okay, that's pretty, that's pretty, like, chalky, you know? Like, those are probably the four best hockey nations in the world, excluding, like, I don't know, Russia. Excluding ones that are currently invading another country. Um, But, um, I don't know. I think it's at least a good step in the right direction because it is something that we've been waiting for for a long time. And I think the more exciting part of the news is that they're actively working towards um, getting into the 2026 Olympics. Yeah, and that that, that is the part that has been that was very buried. Cause uh, yeah, I didn't even I didn't even know about that when you first brought up the story to me. I saw the headline and I read the article and I didn't even know this part until you brought it up. You had to go a little bit deeper, right? Like it's. It is pretty crazy that uh, that we live in a world where people are now, as somebody who can say that, we we live in the worst generation for international hockey. You have to realize how big international hockey was before the 2000s. I would say, or even, hell, yeah. 2010. I'm sure, especially a lot of people in Canada, where were you during the golden goal, right? Like, think about it like that. Think about yeah. how big and how still how big that is right and go back even further to the like you can just i believe it was 2002 2002 winter olympics i think the math is salt lake city salt lake city like that one was huge as well it feels like the olympics and international hockey died as crosby put that like 
Well, even goal in between. Even so, even Sochi was Sochi, pretty. Sochi like, was pretty big, but it wasn't as big, like in comparison. I mean, it was the it was the last one that we saw, but I still remember um, my I dad waking me up at three a.m. to go yeah. watch the Canada oh, Sweden yeah. gold medal game. Like that was still such a cool experience, even if it wasn't like iconic. Um, yeah. Or even like I know it's not I know it's not quite the same, I and mean, I know we're talking about NHL players, but there is something about international hockey that kind of brings you together. An example that I go to is even in the women's game, um, yeah. where I remember in 2014, our like for school, um, our teachers opened up the lunchroom to watch the Canada-U.S. gold medal women's final, and it was an incredible game because those oh, yeah. teams are so well matched. Then it went back and forth, and it was an amazing game. And the teachers actually canceled class until the game was done. It was fantastic. Um, And then in the final minutes of the third period, we had to go to an in-school assembly. And we missed the end of the game in the overtime. And I've never been more mad about anything ever. Um, (laughs) I don't blame you. That sucks. (laughs) I was was seething at the little grade ones who are, like, singing on stage. It's like, fuck you. Fuck you, child. I need to go watch my hockey. Throw an apple at them. <laughs> Boom! Yeah. Get off the stage. <laughs> Little Timmy's confidence was never the same <laughs> since a young Caleb Peterson took it all out on him. All his, all his hockey booed rage, booed him off the stage. He never ever got up. Caleb ruined the singing career of some first grader. Yeah, we. We had the next, like, Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson up there, and I just, yeah. like, killed him. Yeah. <laughs> killed all confidence ever. That guy now works in a McDonald's. So Just dreaming of the day he can get it all back at Caleb Peterson. Oh, <laughs> what a thought. But, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, and even, like, look at IHF. Like, those games are so fun for a reason because there is just something so awesome about, like, international competition. Like, it really does bring people together in a completely different way. IHF, we obviously see it at a lower level, but it's still so cool. Like, there, I don't know an example that I always think of whenever I think of this with IHF. I, I have two. I, I think of, like, how awesome it is. And you don't see this a lot in hockey anymore. But, uh... The year, and I can't remember the year for either of these examples, but I know they were fairly recent. The one year where Canada had, um, uh, uh, crap, which song was it? They had a certain song as their goal song, and every time that team scored, the whole crowd sang it. Because they just had one song that was that everybody knew, and I can't remember the name of the song anymore. But I remember watching that year and going, like, they should just never change the song. It is the best thing ever. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. This is what, like... Like this is twenty thousand people singing a song together after their team scores. That is awesome. Like, yeah. and I mean, on another thing, when they played the outdoor game, Canada versus USA in Buffalo, where they had custom jerseys for both teams. Like, I think uh, the American team had, led by Brady Kachuk, I believe, had uh, had Buffalo Bill inspired jerseys. So you probably saw those at some point. I don't. I don't. I don't remember those at all. Really? Look it up. They're they're pretty cool. And uh, I I don't remember who their goalie was, but he is a guy who's in the NHL now. I think uh, for the Canadian team, it might have been Carter Hart. And uh, that was that game was awesome because it was it was one of those Winter Classic type games where it was freezing. You could tell the players, and the players 
killed it. It was such a cool game to watch. It was probably the best oh, yeah. outdoor game I've ever seen. Like, it was so That's... good. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it now. Those are those are so cool. I don't remember what... The, I don't know if the Can- Canadian team had custom jerseys, too, but they were definitely outshined by the American jerseys. They, they did not have custom jerseys. Those just looked like their normal road jerseys. Yeah, but it was such a good game. Because it was freezing in Buffalo. Because think about when the IHF happens, or the you know what I mean, World Juniors. It's usually around like December, January ish. So it's like cold, 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 especially in Buffalo. Like uh, that was such a good game to watch. Those are like two. And think about it like that. That's just juniors. Like we're we. I really miss being able to watch the best of the best get thrown at each other. And as much as a lot of people would go, it's the same argument as basketball where Canada would just dominate. They don't anymore. They absolutely don't. No. Like, it, I think we're, we're if we really start, like, getting back around to it, I would not be surprised to start seeing, like, similar competitions to what we would have seen between the, uh, uh, I don't know, Soviets, is that the right word? The Russian teams back in the, uh, in the 70s and 80s specifically that would just destroy Canada. Like, those Russian teams, yeah. the rumors you hear about them still to this day make it sound like they're the best hockey team ever assembled. They just couldn't come overseas. Yeah. Right? Like, it's... the You hear the craziest stories. And it really does, like, emphasize the fact that, like, international competition... I wish I could have... Just to be a fly on the wall in those arenas in the 70s. And we just miss out on that now because the NHL has, for the last couple of years, been too stubborn to let... Uh, all these players participate so we just end up with crappy teams headed by like 40 year old and it been out of the league for three years players right yeah it's it's not a fun watch like i don't remember what the last olympics i guess it would have been like either 2018 2022 whatever it was but i i think it was 2018 was the first one where they didn't have um nhl players and i just remember like canada playing germany um (laughs) And they, I think they lost to Germany because there was just all these amateur players that nobody knows um, or yeah. had known at one point. But again, are it doesn't even have the, it doesn't even have like the pull of the juniors where a lot of people I know really love to watch the junior games, even over NHL games. Like I know my dad specifically, I've had this conversation with him where he actually prefers junior hockey over anything else because of how action packed it is. Like it's all of these players who all think they're Sidney Crosby who go out there and play like Sidney Crosby. Like you, when you watch juniors, it's almost like they're all more skilled because they're all less skilled in a weird way. And you do not get that same poll with the Olympics. Like you just, it, it, they're less skilled and they look less skilled. (laughs) Like it's just, it's, eh, it's just boring. It's boring hockey. Like for the most part, like I can't remember. And and it's like, you, you you like, like you said, they're less skilled because they are less skilled. And that makes it just like, feel so much less it's like this is not canada this is not canada's hockey team and this we is know not this the best is hockey team hockey that canada team. could assemble this is canada's b team or even c team C-team. right C-team. canada C-team. could assemble multiple full rosters yeah before they got to these guys hell like, like sweden kind of could finland could america can like yeah. you're like yeah. all of these places russia like every one of these teams could assemble better teams well i guess khl helped russia out but like, uh, there's just so many levels to it that I think uh, we just don't get to see anymore. And it's so disappointing, especially in a world where we 
are watching. We live in an era at this moment where Sidney Crosby and and Connor McDavid play in the same NHL, and the fact that we haven't yet seen them on the same line, all in like the in an Olympics or World Cup, is an absolute travesty. And that is if we and we're if, running out of chances. We are. We absolutely are. If Crosby retires before 2020, 2026 or twenty twenty seven, which is not unrealistic, by the way, Crosby is on his last legs. Like that would be. Imagine how pissed everyone will be at the league, because that is an absolute yeah. disappointment. Like we got to see, I think Gretzky and Gordie Howe on the same ice for and like, Lemieux and Lemieux for no, not quite Lemieux. Um, for, didn't we get? Didn't we get? We got. We got Gretzky and Lemieux. Maybe for that. Oh, Gretzky and Lemieux, Cup. yes. In the Gretzky Canada, and Lemieux, yes. In the but Canada I thought. Cup. I thought you were saying all three. All three didn't happen. Oh, no, not all three. Not all three. But because, Gretzky and Lemieux played. Yes, Gretzky other. and Lemieux had quite a bit of overlap. Yeah, because Lemieux came in the yeah, league in I'm, 84, I believe. Yeah, and I'm thinking uh, there's the, there's yeah, it was the Canada Cup. It was the, their famous goal. Their, their famous goal. Do you know the story Gretzky behind that famous goal? This is a complete tangent, but it's one of the funniest Gretzky stories ever, oh, no. in my opinion. Um, this is straight out of his book, and it, which it's been a while since I've read it. I should go back and read it again because it's a super good read. I have it behind me. Ninety nine. It's literally just called Ninety Nine. It I, a lot a lot. Of I think that, I have read that book. It's a really good book. Or maybe I've read a different Gretzky book that was actually published, I believe, before his career ended. So I think it was the ninety. Mm. So it focused mostly on his Oilers career and like early Kings which I think is what the story is from. So I maybe I'm misremembering. That, that book's really good as well, though, because that one focuses on his later career and the injuries he dealt with, which a lot of people don't talk about. But, uh, like, uh, I nearly made a video essay a while back because I wanted to, like, and put it on YouTube just because I wanted to get it out there. Because I think that's such a sto- good story that nobody talks about, how Gretzky's career kind of came to an early end. Like... He, Gretzky, honestly, might be one of the biggest what-ifs in hockey, and that is a crazy statement. Gretzky easily could have played another couple years if he had not gotten hurt. And that is nuts to think about, right? Especially considering what he accomplished already. Like, you just, it's one of those things. But anyway, that's a different, that's a tangent in a tangent. Like, uh, the story behind it is the almost identical play to what happened in that, in that famous goal between Gretzky and Lemieux happened earlier in the tournament. And this is a young Lemieux, right? Where uh, he got the chance to play on the line with the best player in hockey, obviously nervous. And uh, Gretzky passed it to Lemieux. Lemieux passed it back. Gretzky missed the shot. They get to the bench, and and Gretzky apparently ripped Lemieux a new one. <laughs> so basically <laughs> saying that he basically told Lemieux that he has the best shot he has ever seen on a hockey player. If you ever pass to me again, I will, I will literally, I will make sure you are off this team. <laughs> Do not put that puck in my hands if you have the chance to shoot. And Lemieux did not make that mistake twice. <laughs> Obviously, as you saw from that very famous goal. And I think, uh, I think uh, from what I've heard, that was very a very important part, point in Lemieux's career. And after that, he went on to be one of the greatest scorers ever. If not the best behind only only uh, uh, Alex Ovechkin, but like uh, yeah, some again 
read Gretzky's books. They're so good. Like you cannot miss yep. with those Gretzky books. Like uh, there's some of yeah. the, he has some, I don't even, they don't have the same pull as like, like uh, I, cause a lot of the, to break down what I have on my shelf behind me, I have Kobe's Kobe. And then I have Jeremy Roenick and uh, I always feel bad. Clint's uh, Malarchuk, Malarchuk, Malarchuk. Yeah. And uh, I'd say the pull of, especially of the Ronick and Malarchuk uh, books are more the crazy stories and experiences that they go through. And while I wouldn't say the same for Gretzky's, I think just the, like, he he still has a very interesting point of view with a lot of the, like, things in the 80s. And it's just a very interesting book. I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Like, uh, so yeah, Simon Shoskovsky, book nerd. Bet you didn't see that one coming. <laughs> Like, uh, anyway, yeah, bring international hockey back. Stop complaining, you assholes. Yeah. It, it, even this, even the small portion will be good. Maybe we get some sort of cool Who classic knows? moment out of it. Imagine. It's, it's imagine been too Canada long. versus USA in the finals of this thing. Are you telling me that that wouldn't be sick, even if it's only one game? Yeah. I'm tuning yeah. in. Are you not? <laughs> of course. Like it's who would not show up for that? That'd be so cool. Like hell, yeah. just put one game. Don't screw the tourney. Put one Canada versus USA for charity. I would watch the shit out of that. Like that'd be so cool. Yeah. Like obviously the World Cup will be better, and I think that's still you. I think that's the wrong thing to focus on. We're getting international hockey with the best in hockey. Take it. Take it or leave it, that's right? That's important. Yeah, that's yeah. the important thing. Like, this is a step in the right direction to potentially be- get back to the place that hockey was pre, like, 2000s. And I think that's yeah. so important for this sport. Because it's something that I don't... I'd say that out of all the other big leagues in the world, soccer is the only other sport that really has it. Baseball in some reasons. Yeah. But, like, it's the only real sport that has that like edge to it that's so good like in the international scene yeah yeah. and it's and it and it also provides like bringing international hockey back to the same level gives people in other countries a chance to grow the game like it it grows the game more because then they actually see the best players play against their country yeah if i had to watch uh I'm trying to think of an example at this point. Like, because I remember seeing the rosters from the last Olympics, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, on a top line, they have, like, they, like name like one a of the... fourth liner from 2017, and they were probably on the recent Olympic Canada team. Was it, like, I feel like like one of the Stahl brothers in his, like, yeah, like, yeah, 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 Eric Stahl. Eric Stahl, that's the name. I That's a good example, though. <laughs> That's like an example of a good player. <laughs> Wasn't Yakupov? Yeah, that was the best player on the. <laughs> Wasn't Yakupov? There's no way Yakupov made it. There's no way Yakupov made it. <laughs> Let's see. What's Yakupov's nationality? Is he? I don't. He's not Canadian. He's not Canadian, but I don't know what is he. He's not Russian, is he? He's obviously got a bit of Russian might be. name, but I think he might I, be. For some reason, I thought. Okay, yeah, uh, like. You know, the only thing that makes this Canadian team very good, yeah, Eric Stahl was the oh, captain. Oh, he is Russian. The only thing that makes them kind of good is the young players that they had. Like, Devin Levi and goal. They had Owen Power. They had Mason McTavish. 
Um, the rest of it is like, yeah, fourth liners <laughs> or guys who have been in the league, like Daniel Winnick, David DeHarnay. Yeah, those are you're great not, examples of people who would not be in the NHL. Like, I don't know. It's lame. It sucks. Bring back the international hockey that I watched growing up. <laughs> like, God. Yeah. Like, do you, like, especially here in Calgary, I can say that I have had, I think a lot of Flames fans' favorite uh, bit of trivia for anybody who's not a Flames fan, because every Flames fan already knows this. Who passed to Crosby on the golden goal? Oh, well, <laughs> everybody knows that. Well... Aginla, obviously. Yeah, Aginla, yeah, you say that as somebody who grew up in Calgary, but, like, it's something that a, a lot of people here really are proud of. Because it's one of those things where, that's our guy! Yeah. He did that, right? Like, it's... Yeah. Like, and I think that's something that's so lost now, and it just sucks. Like, I, I can't wait for that to be back. Yeah. Even if we have to wait a little bit longer. I'll wait 10 years for if, if that's what it takes. 75-year-old grumpy Pretty Simon happy. yelling at the wind will still want to watch all these. The, <laughs> will still want to watch international hockey. Thank you guys so much for watching the Trick Play podcast this week. If you want to see more of us, you know where to find us. YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. Follow us all there. Spotify. I got it. On the, there you go. Wait. Wait. Whoa. Let me math it out. No, fuck. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I even thought about it. I got it, down to, a wrong. I got it down to a science. Yeah. <laughs> Fresh Take Network. Find us there. Spotify. Apple Music. Uh, not Apple Music. You can't find us on Apple Music. Apple Podcasts. You wherever you get your podcast. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Apple, like, Apple, Apple Music is Apple. not the same. That's true. It's not. Yeah. Until we Until we eventually okay. drop our single or like trick play album. <laughs> that now that'd be sick. That's happening. Official announcement that oh, yeah. is 100% happening and not. We got to do a Christmas a just Christmas so that album, we can like be on Apple do. Music. There you go. Yeah, we'll do a Christmas album. <laughs> Deck the halls, guys. Deck the halls. All right. It's gonna be fucking um... sick. Got the singing <laughs> voice of a fucking angel. If that angel Hell yeah. flew down a flight of stairs and got its neck slit 10 seconds prior <laughs> still an angel still, the still an angel <laughs> um, alright I'm gonna give an anti shout out this week um, I feel like I've, I've been very negative the last couple weeks but it's kind of fun to make fun of people so okay, fair enough. <laughs> my anti shout out this week is something that happened today um, and it's a guy that could probably get an anti-shout-out every week with just the stupid shit that he says all the time. And that is Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Ursay. I don't know if Ooh. you heard his recent comment. I um, heard his name, but, he but I didn't hear what he said. He recently told a sports show that his arrest... He was arrested in 2014 for driving under the influence. And oh. he said it happened not because he was driving under the influence, which you would think would be why they arrest you... But because of prejudice against him being a rich white billionaire. Oh no. A rich white billionaire is the most discriminated God, against group so in the hard, world. Isn't it, buddy? I can't I can't possibly think of any other like disadvantaged minority group you know what? a rich Jim white Ursa, billionaire. Jim, no no no. Caleb, you're looking at this the wrong way. We have to help Jim Ursay out. 
because he's going through a lot. He's got to get more money. He's underprivileged. <laughs> that's not about where I was going with that, but that's way fucking funnier. <laughs> I was gonna say we, we need we more gotta, money. We we gotta yes. take his money. Clearly, this is not a responsibility that should be held by two by one man. So what I'm proposing is that, and obviously it's too hard to put this on anyone else. Me and you have to step up here. We're the only ones who can. Yeah. I think me and you, we split our split his money 50-50 so that it's yeah. the prejudice is split across two people. I, That's true. We can, we will, I, we I can take on it. the prejudice. I will take on the burden. We are so I will and shameless that we will I, take on the prejudice. If you don't think that I have the strength to cry inside of my six hot tubs while riding in a Ferrari while also uh, driving a Tesla <laughs> somehow, I will do it. I have the strength. I will cry so many tears and wipe it up with $100 bills. It'll be great. Yep. And when I'm owning oh, the yeah. Indianapolis Colts, I will yell at Jonathan Taylor about random things even more. Just to prove that I can. Yep. Because I, I will have go the on, strength. I, I will go on Twitter and post random, like, random tweets that just ramble on and seem like I'm drunk for, like, hours and hours and hours just trying to prove that I'm not racist. Go read Jim Ursay's Twitter. It's a fun afternoon activity. Yeah, um, go read Caleb Peterson's it twitter after getting all the money from <laughs> it'll be great yeah. um i want to i want to dig in dig into it a little bit more um so he said yeah if i'm just the average guy down the block they're not pulling me in of course not buddy you were driving while you were on drugs um <laughs> so he said who said the arrest was wrong i just had hip surgery and had been in the car for 45 minutes and what, they asked me to walk the line? Are you kidding me? I can barely walk at all. It's not that you can't walk in a straight line. Sure, you had hip surgery. But do you not understand that after you have been <laughs> under the knife, you cannot drive? You cannot drive. Of course you still have drugs in their system because you just got out of the hospital 45 minutes ago. Who are you to think you can get behind the wheel? You're a billionaire. Someone else to drive you. I'm it not is driving crazy. home from getting my this wisdom is, teeth is, pulled out. This is, uh, that's a very good segue. This is unrelated, but it's um a little a little fun a little fun tidbit. It is crazy how quick when you talk to people who haven't really, like I haven't had necessarily any serious injuries for as long as I can remember. I had a couple when I was very young, but don't remember it. But uh, I don't know if the amount I don't know how many times in your life you would have been put under, or at least like recent enough that you would have thought about like, like Four. you would have been in a position where you could have driven or like could have done anything of the sort afterwards no. but i don't i don't i don't understand why people immediately think i've like that they can just immediately do things after that this is kind of unrelated this is another you can't this is and i will keep the person anonymous i can tell you who it is afterwards caleb but because you do know who they are but i had a conversation with somebody who was getting their wisdom teeth pulled afterwards who uh afterwards plan uh, the day the day after plan to play in a hockey game and i was like what the fuck i i literally call i went no you're not absolutely not not in a million million years that is the worst idea i've ever heard yeah. in my life because it's like and it is crazy how some uh, that's not the only time i've heard a comment like that it's crazy like you are so out of it i remember i got my wisdom teeth yeah. pulled last year so I would have been, I would have been 18. I could have like respond, like, and I can tell you right now that I was like, I don't know if you did this as a kid, but I totally did. I was like playing like with my fingers, like jumping from like car to car. 
It was great. <laughs> yeah. It was great. I was having a great time. Like, now imagine putting that Simon in hockey skates dead in a minute. No. <laughs> Hell, Man, put that puppy behind even... a wheel? Nah. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't even, like, when I got my wisdom teeth pulled, I'm not even, I am pretty good at standing up under anesthesia because some people you know like are worried about going under anesthesia because they're gonna say something because they're totally loopy i'm completely yeah. fine i have full <laughs> consciousness up here but you're still so no, out I of wasn't. it they, <laughs> they sat me down and they said okay i think you're good to go go walk like you can walk to your dad he's just outside and i stood up and completely didn't realize that my mouth was fully frozen and I drooled all over the floor, just a giant <laughs> puddle I have formed on the floor. Story. And the nurse just... went, okay, honey, sit back down. You need a couple more minutes. <laughs> this is a similar story where my memory was so shot that I didn't realize how many times I said the same thing over and over and over. Because uh, they wouldn't let me have my phone and I can't remember why. Like, I, I, I guess maybe you just don't want someone with anesthesia to be doing stupid shit on a phone. That kind of makes sense. You're going to start tweeting like Jim Irsay. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> like, because my reasoning behind wanting my phone is I was kind of valid at the time. I remember I wanted to text my girlfriend to tell her I wasn't dead. Which I don't know why at the time I was like, yeah. she obviously thinks I'm dead. If I don't text her, she's going to think that I died during wisdom teeth surgery. That must have been where my brain was at under all of this anesthesia. I remember asking, saying, I gotta tell my girlfriend I'm not dead. I gotta tell my girlfriend I'm not dead. I think I told the nurse this seven different times over the two-hour period. Like, they just kept saying no, and I was like, okay, laid back down, sat back up. Because <laughs> I was just, like, in that... It's like when you... Uh, anybody in a relationship can probably relate to the idea of like playing a game or doing anything and then realizing that you haven't said anything in like four fucking hours and the wave of panic i'm just imagining that hitting me every 15 minutes under anastasia oh that, that that's one of my favorite things though because just shows yeah no don't put hockey skates on me when I'm fucking... <laughs> After getting wisdom teeth pulled, that's nuts. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't do that. Don't be a dumbass. No, don't be a dumbass. And fuck Jim Ursay, who is a dumbass, and is blaming it on the fact that he's rich and white. Okay, yeah. buddy. Jim Ursay, I can fuck help you out if you like... help with that. Yeah, we can, I we can, can both we help can, you out. Yeah, we could make you just white. It's so much easier, dude. We can trade. I'll take it. Yep. I volunteer we'll as tribute. We'll take the rich and the billionaire part. We're so, I, we're so down. We already got the white nailed. We're good. Like, <laughs> like uh, we can, we, like, man, I'll take that responsibility. I would kill it at yelling at Jonathan Taylor, probably. If that's yep. all I got to do to be a billionaire, send the pay. I'll do it. I volunteer. <laughs> I will be... The Jim say that Jim say never could be. Yeah. I'll even change my name to Jim Ursay. Go for it. Jim Ursay. You look like a gym. <laughs> look like a gym. Just have to grow a mustache and I'd be good. Then I'd look like a gym. <laughs> oh, yeah. And just, like, start staring into the camera after one of, either you or someone else on the podcast says something stupid. Just do, like, the gym look. There you go. Then I'd be <laughs> Okay, that's the there podcast. You. Check us out everywhere. Go to the Fresh Take Network. That is 
Oh, I got it. Oh, wait, am I going to get it? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. We're good. Boom. We're good. Go check that out. Go check us out on YouTube, uh, everywhere else. Um, I'm going to start having more time to put more effort into the fun stuff that you would have gone to see, so that being TikToks, the shorts that you probably haven't seen a lot of lately because I have been busy as hell and working 20 hours most weekends, which does not mix well with having time to edit. So that's tough, but that's coming to an end at least for the short term for a little while. So uh, I will have more time to put more effort into all that. So look forward to that. Hopefully more content and all that. Check out more episodes. We'll be back within the next week. <laughs> Unlike last week, there will not be a two-week gap for load yep. management. I hope you guys understand. I stubbed my toe and it just really hurt, so I couldn't play. I know you no, guys paid right. to watch me, but I just I, I wasn't in it. You know? Just wasn't in it. No. Yeah. Head's not in the game. Head's not in the game. Like, I, I like, poured myself... I went to go, like, make cereal in the morning, and the milk was expired, so I couldn't have cereal. And I had to have a sandwich instead, and I the, the whole week was lost. Yeah. Yeah. It was There's good. nothing you can do after that. No. You it, can't it come back the, from it. Yeah. Load management, it was necessary. Yep. Yeah. Watch next week. That won't happen when I can't have cereal.